Good morning, and peace be with you. We have uh, some announcements this morning, and I think we have a special announcer. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> so without further ado, uh, I would like to welcome Debbie Bice up. Um, Debbie's going to um, fill in. There's a lot of things that came up, I guess, that are not necessarily in here, and so you're going to help us, guide us through what's coming up, okay? So I'll let you take up there to the podium. Thank you, Debbie. Good morning. I just got that just in, hot off the press, we've got, so um, my first one I just got is um, Melodic Masterpieces, which is today, Sunday afternoon classic concert. Uh, it is, uh, is it at Grace Lutheran? Rose Center Theater. And I'm just going to have this up there, and anybody that's interested can read it, but that's today if anybody's interested. For uh, Reformation, uh, the mission for the month, uh, we're going to be sending our financial support to one child. It's the name of the organization. One child serves more than 40,000 children in 14 hard-to-reach countries around the world, providing health, education, and hope of Christ to children who need it most. Sounds like a good one to me, guys. Tuesday, we have Sit and Be Fit, 10 o'clock. So come on in. Miss Ashley leads this. We have a great Bible study on Tuesday afternoon at 12. And uh, it's just to bring your Bible, and Pastor is in charge, and he brings us a new study each week. I have learned so much off this, whether I can remember it or not, but I do enjoy listening to it. Uh, we have Naughty Ones that are meeting in Fellowship Hall this Thursday at 10 o'clock. We had the men's Bible study Saturday morning at 8 o'clock at Pastor's office. All men of RLC are invited and donuts are served, so come. Uh, Reformation Council meeting, our council meeting this month will be held on Sunday, February 12th after church service. We will be meeting in Pastor Ken's office. All are encouraged to come. Uh, homebound, please consider sending notes or calling a member who are homebound. There is an updated list of names and their contact information on the table out in the narthex. Praise, in your bulletin you'll see something new, a place to praise our Lord and Savior. We encourage you to write your praises down here. If you would like your praises published in the bulletin, simply write them down and give your bulletin to Ashley. Uh, also, birthdays and weddings and anniversaries, this is something we're doing, so if you haven't already signed our list back there, uh, we just want to celebrate you, whether it's your birthday or anniversary. Um, we're we're going to start at the beginning of each month doing a birthday celebration for everybody out during fellowship. And the anniversaries, it's just nice to celebrate our time together. Um, also, yet to come, next Sunday, we're going to have a Super Bowl party out here during fellowship. So hot dogs and popcorn and, and no beer. We won't bring any beer. But we'll just have fun time together. So come on over. Have fun. Wear your teen colors. And we'll have a good time. Thank you. And as always, if you have any questions about things that are coming up, I invite you to give a call to the office, talk to Ashley, and uh, she'll set you straight. I'd just like to also um, let you know um, uh, that last week um, our beloved Bonnie had a fall at home, and she hurt her back quite 
badly. So, hi, Bonnie. We're, we love you, and we're praying for you and lifting you up for healing. And can't wait to see you again. I'm sure you're looking forward to going home. So, um, I know that Carol and Ken have been in, in constant contact with her, and and um, so you might, you know, catch them afterwards. Is that okay, you guys? For in, uh, keep them, uh, let people know uh, how things are going. But um, my understanding in talking to Ken is that uh, uh, he saw Bonnie this last week, and she looked great. So what do you think of that, Bonnie? There you go. So we're talking. It's kind of weird. She's watching on Facebook right now. So um, I'm going to let go on that one. And then also, uh, sad news, um, uh, Bo Hoyt, Nancy Hoyt's beloved husband, passed away last week. And he was, uh, I believe, 62 years old, and he had a heart attack, and um, he, the Lord uh, took him home. So please keep Nancy and uh, their daughter Haley uh, in your prayers for peace and comfort during this season uh, as they mourn uh, the passing of their beloved uh, husband and father. So with that, uh, Diane, it's wonderful to have you back, and Diane is leading us in worship again. So let's uh, pray and let's uh, sing as unto the Lord.
please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Now, Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. He is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are His. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia, sing with all the people of God, and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might 
be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh Lord, keep your family, the church, continually in the true faith, that relying on the hope of your heavenly grace, that we may ever be defended by your mighty power through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. In your pew Bible, you'll find our reading that I'm going to do on page 1152. It's going to be Isaiah 58, verse 3 through 9. On your pew Bible on 1152. This reading speaks to false worship and true worship. Let's dive in. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression with the pointing figure and malicious talk. Page six, uh, we'll be looking at reading Psalm 112. Uh, page six in your bulletin, if you could read with me responsibly. Psalm 112, 1 through 9. Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. Their children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches 
Wealth and riches are in their houses, and their righteousness endures forever. Even in darkness, light dawns for the upright, for those who are gracious and compassionate and righteous. Good will come to those who are just generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs, affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. In the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Their horn will be lifted high in honor. Our next reading is from the first book of Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 1 through 16. This can be found on your Pew Bible on 1773. And Paul is addressing the Corinthians. As a preface, basically what I got out of this is that men without, men without the Holy Spirit only follows his natural instincts. And that is not allowing them to be equipped to receive the truth. And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind was, has conceived, the things of God has prepared for those who love him. These, things, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and can not understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct 
him. But we have the mind of Christ. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. Matthew from the fifth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning is indeed from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and can be found on page 1501 in your Pew Bible. Matthew records You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of the pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. This, uh, this week's gospel comes right after the Beatitudes that we read in last week's gospel. And these two Gospels, they lie right at the beginning of that long section of Matthew's account of the Gospel that is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew records the Sermon on the Mount in his chapters 5 through 7. And we will uh, revisit um, Jesus' sermon twice more. Um, before we get to Reformation Sunday. Excuse me, Resurrection Sunday. Last week's gospel, it uh, provides important context for the Sermon on the Mount. That is, that the Holy Spirit inspired Matthew to begin his account this way. And you'll recall prior to the sermon, I mentioned that there's stories in the Bible that we've heard before, and we kind of go into autopilot. Do you remember that part where we go, oh, the Beatitudes, and then we maybe not pay attention? So I'm going to ask you to pay attention right now. Matthew, in Matthew 5, 1, 3, it says, seeing the crowds, 
He went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so on, through the rest of the Beatitudes, as we read them last week. Okay, now please notice this. Notice that although there were many crowds, many crowds, it was his disciples who came to him, who came to Jesus. And that means that the Sermon on the Mount is for teaching disciples. His teaching is not intended for the general crowd, but for those who believe His teaching is for the holy Christian church. And in today's gospel, Jesus teaches the church that she is salt and light. And please, 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 please notice this. Notice what, pastor? Notice that Jesus did not say you should be salt of the earth. He did not say, you should be the light of the world. He didn't say that, right? He said, you are. You are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. It is too often that we take these words as commands as commands instead of descriptions. We start beating up on ourselves because we are not salty enough or we are not shining our little light bright enough. We make it all about ourselves instead of about Jesus. Now there's an evil threesome out there. The evil threesome is the devil, the world, and our own sinful nature. And they want us to believe that the primary goal of Christianity is self-improvement. The focus is the being on the self. And that evil trio wants us to think that being salt and light That being salt and light means living such a perfect life that everyone will want to be just like us. And if we convince, if we can convince others that the Christian life is really, really great, then they might want to become Christians too. It is our evil foes that want us to believe that the Christian faith is about, is about an improved life and that the Bible is a guide. It's a guidebook for better living. They want us to believe that this is the faith, that this is the thought that will be salt and light to others. Don't listen to them. This misguided propaganda, it really sounds good at first. It seems almost doable. And and what a boast it would be. I mean, whoo, if my ego wouldn't fit out that door, if I could pull it off. That pastor Ken's so nice, always. I want to be a Christian. Well, we know that doesn't happen. It seems doable, but it's not. And this is the problem that the Pharisees had. The Pharisees had this. They had taken the the teachings of, of Moses and they had twisted them into a law that was doable. And then, and then they pointed to themselves as the ones who did it best. Remember that, that, that story we hear about the man in the praying to God, hey God, I'm, I, do, I tithe, I fast, and I do everything just great, and I'm so glad you didn't make me like that guy over there that's a tax collector. That's pretty ugly, but that's what they did. And the problem is this. 
that over time, it becomes obvious that no one, no one can pull it off. There are days, maybe you can relate. Have you ever had a day when you left the house with a smile pasted onto your face? And it had absolutely nothing to do with how you really felt? No? Guess I'm the only one. It had nothing to do with the way I felt. How I actually feel. Because I know, and you know this to be true, that there are tragedies that strike us to our core. There are things like cancer strokes and heart attacks and accidents on the road and accidents in the house. And these things and more, they remind us that we are mortal, that we have an expiration date. And how can we possibly make ourselves salty and shine on our own light when that mortality really hits home? Then, there's these pesky Bible passages. You know, the ones that tell us that we can never live the life of light and salt. Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah writes, the poet writes, All our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Huh. In Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans uh, in chapter 3.23, says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then this morning and every Sunday morning, we say, 1 John verse 1, through 1 and 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth, well, it ain't in us. Paraphrase mine. And then as we examine the Ten Commandments, we realize that we are not going to pull it off. Can't really, especially the way Jesus made them. Oh, you mean I just think my brother is uh, so and such and such and that's murder? Mm. And just to heap it on, we hear the last verse in today's gospel. Jesus says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And so, despair sets in. We realize we will never be salt and light. And once again, we see the wonderful gospel of Jesus twisted into the law. But wait. What did Jesus say? He said, you are the salt of the earth. He said, you are the light of the world. And he said this right after the Beatitudes, that he had just taught them this, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we know that even though we are spiritually poor, spiritually bankrupt, Jesus blesses us as he performs the deeds of God among us and for us. And it is just as the blessings of the Beatitudes depend not on us, but on Jesus, in the same way it is Jesus who makes us light and who makes us salt. I got to tell you this. Christianity is not about us. It's not about me. It's not about you. Instead, it's about Jesus. It's about what he did for us. We do not earn God's blessings but he gives them to us freely for Jesus' sake. We cannot become salt and light. Instead, the word of Jesus makes us salt and light. 
We are salt and light, not by what we do, but by what Jesus does in us and through us. Now, the salt and light begin in Jesus Christ as the Holy Spirit inspired St. John to write in John 1, 4 through 5. He wrote, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And from these words we learn that Jesus is the light of the world, that no darkness can overcome. And the Holy Spirit also inspired John to write these words in the Revelation of John. In Revelation 21, 23, you'll remember this. When he's describing the holy city, he says, The city has no need of sun or moon. No need of sun or moon to shine on it, for its lamp is the Lamb. And from these words, we learn that Jesus is the light of the next world as well. Jesus is the light of the world because he is its salvation. Jesus works salvation by fulfilling the law and the prophets, just as he says in the second half of today's gospel. He said, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And these words tell us that Jesus placed himself under the law. Imagine that. And as Paul told the Galatians, he said in, in Galatians uh, 4, 4 through 5, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children of God. And in this way, Jesus fulfilled the law for us. Fulfilling the prophets also meant fulfilling his role as Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. Jesus himself said, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Huh. The light shines out no brighter than when Jesus poured himself out for the forgiveness of sins of the world as he hung on a cross for you and for me. That's Christ and him crucified. And even as the world was plunged into darkness, Jesus, the light of the world, was overcoming the darkness. As he hung on the tree, he earned the light of salvation for us so that we can be free from sin, death, and darkness. And it's by his work on the cross, by his perfect work on the cross, that he gives us his righteousness. And this is the only righteousness, the only righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. It is the only righteousness that gains entry into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, the light of the world, triumphed over darkness on the cross, and then three days later, he confirmed that triumph as he rose from the dead, Christ in him crucified. And with his resurrection, he demonstrated that he really is the light of the world. And all his promises will come true. And especially the promise, especially the promise that all who believe in him will have everlasting life. Jesus is the light of the world. By his suffering, death, and resurrection, he has made us the light of the world. All who believe in him have forgiveness, life, and salvation. And you know that we regularly confess every Sunday that we are poor, that we are miserable sinners, 
who have sinned against God in thought, word, and deed, by things we have done and things we have left undone. We confess our sin, and as we confess our sin, he absolves us. He gives us his light, and we regularly come forward to his altar, and he gives us himself as we receive his body and his blood in the bread and the wine. Now, Jesus says that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And in his teaching, he further shows how ridiculous it is for salt to lose its saltiness as it is for us to keep Jesus to ourselves. It really makes no sense. And it makes just as much sense for us to keep Jesus to ourselves as it does for us to light a lamp and then put a basket over it and hide it as it, it just, it's just silly. It, it, why would we do that and why would we hide our salvation? We are not, though. I'm not, you're not, super saints who live a life that others may envy. That's not our job. Instead, we are forgiven sinners who have a loving Savior. And as salt and light, we point, not to ourselves, but we point to the one whom we attach our hope, who we attach our faith to our Savior. Now, lastly, there is a promise that is hidden away in our Lord's description of us as salt and light. Since I've just laid out for us that we can't do it on our own, we cannot be salt and light without him. He must always be with us. And so, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he works in us and through us so that we are salt and light wherever we go. We are salt and light in our families, as children, as children of our parents, and as parents of our children, as husbands and wives, as grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters, cousins, and in other ways that we can be related to people. We are salt and light in the workplace as employers and employees. We are salt and light in our communities as friends and neighbors, as citizens of a city, a county, a state, a nation. We are light on the racetrack there, Tim. We are, we are light on the golf course. And we are light out on the 405 driving home. Yeah, <laughs> my bulb's dim. I can see that, Iris. Yeah, I try. In all these roles, Jesus has promised to be with us so that we are the salt of the earth and we are the light of the world. In Jesus' name, amen.
stand if you're able? Let us confess together our faith to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. Almighty God, you delight to loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the straps of the heavy yoke that freed from sin's bondage, we may gladly receive your blessings. Preserve us from the lie that you are a cruel oppressor and give us thankful hearts to rejoice that you are the giver of all good gifts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Merciful God, preserve your church by your life-giving word. Open the lips of pastors to declare your just decrees and to store them up in the hearts of your people that we may delight in your promises and abound in good works. Lord, in your mercy, O Lord, give wisdom and courage to parents as they teach their children your ways. Make our homes havens of peace in a quarrelsome, self-seeking world. Lord, in your mercy, Heavenly Father, you declare that a young man may keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word. Protect children and youth against the siren calls of the devil, the world, and their own sinful nature. Grant delight in your testimonies as much as in all riches. Lord, in your mercy, and almighty God, According to your wisdom, you establish rulers of this age for a time. Remember Joseph, our president, Gavin, our governor, and all those who you have placed in authority, that they might fulfill their duties with wisdom. Lord, in your mercy. Holy Father, cause healing to spring up speedily for the sake of your Son. Have mercy upon those who suffer afflictions of sin in mind and body. We especially lift up Bonnie and Nancy and Haley. And where you permit trial to remain, preserve your people in faith until the day when your light breaks forth like the dawn. Lord, in your mercy, O oh God, in Christ, your righteousness goes before us, and your glory is our rear guard. Answer our pleas for mercy this day in the gift of Christ's body and blood, and prepare all those who commune to receive him worthily and joyfully. Lord, in your mercy, and Lord, Heavenly Father, Send forth your Holy Spirit, that delivered from the spirit of this world, we may hold fast in faith to what you freely give us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the same Holy Spirit, one God, 
now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should praise your name at all times and in all places, offering thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, in the wonder and mystery of the world, or the Word made flesh, you have opened the eyes of faith to a new and radiant vision of your glory, that beholding the God made visible, we may be drawn to love God whom we cannot see. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let's all pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. You are light. You are salt. You didn't do it to yourselves. You received it through faith by what Christ did for you. And that's the same thing that's happening today. You are receiving by faith Christ's body, his blood. You are receiving by faith a rescue from sin, death, and the devil. You are receiving by faith clothing in Christ, righteousness by faith, by what Jesus did for you. If this is your confession, and I heard you, then come, the table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Now, I think our closing hymn is on page 204. Is that right, Steve? 201. 104. Don't listen to Pastor on that. Well, I'll... <laughs>